and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm going to read you a bedtime story. Before we begin, I wanted to send a huge thank you to Annalise Smith. I just got your package. It's been a few months since I've been able to check my P.O. box. And thank you so much for the candles for my birthday. That was amazing. It was such a great surprise. And just huge thank you to you. Uh, So this week, I have such a treat for you. So this story is by Matthew Owen Jones, a new author to the show. And I had so much fun using diegetic sounds. Diegetic, if you don't know, that means that it sounds within the world. And I love a nautical story. I love a lighthouse story. And he gave me all of this. And so I'm very excited to play for you when the light goes out. Enjoy. Eighteen oh nine. The ship lurched further, listing heavily as the hole scraped across the rock. Inside, the hold was terror and chaos, as men scrambled to escape the battened hatches. The screaming of the horses mingled with the panicked shouts of men. The ship lantern swung violently as the waves battered the hull, making it hard to see in the gloom of the ship's hold. Salt water rushed in through the breaches in the port side, where the timbers of the hull groaned and buckled against the rocks. A man barged into him, knocking him from his feet and sending Samuel tumbling into waist-deep seawater. The water was shockingly cold. He gasped for breath as he struggled for his feet, groping for something to hold on to, as crates and debris swept past him in the darkness. With a deafening groan, the ship began to lurch further, threatening to capsize completely, when his searching hands felt the familiar shape of a cannon hatch that had not been secured. In desperation and fear, Samuel hauled his slim boy's frame through the narrow opening, leaving the shouts and panic behind him. With the vessel listing badly, he managed to clamber along the outer hull onto the main deck. Here, outside the shelter of the ship's interior, the wind screamed and howled like a furious beast. Thunderous plumes of waves crashed against the hull, making it lurch violently, forcing him to crawl on his hands and knees in the darkness, seeking something to cling to for support. The deck was in shambles. The aft mast had come down and shards of rigging and torn, billowing sail were everywhere. The foremast remained intact. Samuel staggered toward it and climbed, bracing himself as each fresh wave roared around him. He slowly pulled himself up toward the light of the storm lantern, fixed at the masthead. Below him, in between the swells, he could hear the muffled cries of over a hundred horses and men still trapped in the hold below. He shook with cold and fear as he clung desperately to the last six feet of the mast. All around him was terror and darkness. The fierce winds threatened to extinguish the dim light of the storm lantern, 
on the main mast above him. Samuel fixated on the light, and its feeble flame flickered, dim, and finally went out, swallowing him in darkness. Samuel. Samuel woke abruptly, his arm lashing out and spilling a bottle of spirits across the small oak table where he had fallen asleep. He fumbled for the bottle, trying to save the last of the precious whiskey. He ran a weathered hand across his short, gray beard as his vision slowly cleared from the memories that had haunted him all these years. Samuel! This time he heard the pounding at the door of their small kitchen. Looking around, he wondered how long he had slept. The candle had burned low, and there was already no heat from the stove. It was irresponsible to fall asleep on his watch. He rose unsteadily to his feet and unbolted the door before his companion renewed his pounding. Thomas! Samuel mumbled a greeting to the man he had shared the lighthouse with these last three months. Turning away from the younger man, he avoided his gaze as he went to put some coffee on the stove. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw Thomas take in his disheveled appearance and the strong smell of whiskey. Did you not hear me calling? I can't say I did. Samuel shrugged. Why bolt the door? There's only us here. He turned to face the younger man and tried to remember what it was like to be so young. Thomas was a slim, dark-haired man in his twenties, yet to grow a beard. He had not been a keeper long. Habit. Thomas did not look satisfied by his answer, but he knew Samuel had seniority here and he did not press him further. I heard the wind picking up. There's a storm blowing inland. The statement made Samuel pause as he poured himself a mug of cold coffee. A southwesterly. That can't be right. Go aloft and see for yourself. Samuel raised his mug and drained his coffee before setting it aside with a grimace. He put on his thick wool jacket as he walked to the worn steps that spiraled through the center of the lighthouse. He still felt a little unsteady on his feet, but the climb was so familiar, he could make it in his sleep. He heard Thomas follow him. The stairs spiraled through the sparse chamber that contained their two beds and a few simple possessions, and up toward the open hatch that led to the lantern room. As they entered, he could feel the drop in temperature. The room was always cold in January. The light of the huge argon lamp still shone out into the darkness of the night. Samuel could hear the strong winds here beyond the glass. The lantern housing and glass were overdue replacement. Perhaps when summer came, they could have some work done on it. He saw Thomas using the old brass telescope, staring intently out toward the storm. The lad had been right about the weather. 
There's a ship out there. A large one. Thomas said. The sobering words made Samuel frown. Any ship this close to the coast in a southwesterly would be in trouble. I see her mast. It could be a large sloop. Samuel took the telescope from him to see for himself. A mile or more out, he could make out the ship as she floundered in the heavy swell, her storm lanterns appearing as orange dots in the dark. No. She has two masts. She's a brig sloop. A ship of war. The realization disturbed him, even as Samuel spoke it. It wasn't so rare a ship, but the feeling of unease would not leave him. Fetch the Colston Flare. Samuel did not take his gaze from the ship's distant lamplight, beyond the window. As behind him, Thomas climbed down to the stores to follow his instruction. The sight of the ship out there disturbed him. His old ship, the Primrose, had been a brig sloop, on which he had served as a drummer boy, before it went down, with all hands but him. He remembered their screams in the darkness. Samuel? He turned to see Thomas had returned with the flare, and stood regarding him with an expression of concern. She's close to the rocks. Send up the flare. Samuel's tone left no room for questions. He watched as Thomas pulled up his collar and opened the hatch, stepping out onto the growing intensity of the storm on the lighthouse balcony. Samuel studied the dark, rolling waves intently with the telescope, as the flare went up with a bang, illuminating the night sky. He saw the ship again, closer than he had expected. Any moment now, she would be floundering on the rocks. He could see her sails were tattered, and her aft mast had snapped before the flare fell into the sea, snatching the ship from his sight. Samuel's blood ran cold, and he gripped the hatch door for support against his unsteady legs. Fire another flare. We only have. Do it now! He raised his voice above the rain and wind, his face twisted in anger. Thomas stood pale in the driving rain, his hair plastered to his face as he carefully loaded another flare into the brass chamber. The red flare arced into the night sky. For a long moment, Samuel saw no sign of the ship and began to believe she might have gone down. Then, he saw her, much closer than she should be, as though the sea carried her to the very rocks of their lighthouse. As the crimson light faded, he saw uniformed figures on her deck, each of them motionless, as though the storm and the rocks were of no concern. It can't be. Samuel! Samuel, what is wrong with you? The main door. Did you bolt it? He fixed Thomas with a crazed look. What in God's name has got into you? There is no one else here. We are a mile from land. Samuel clenched his teeth in frustration and shoved the younger man angrily away. <gasps> Thomas stumbled backward from the larger man, falling backward against the reinforced windows. 
do it now. Quickly. With a lingering resentful look, Thomas backed away from the man he thought he knew, and hurried down the stairwell. Samuel stared out into the darkness, listening to the gale outside rattle the thick glass windows. For a moment, he thought he heard something else. The sound of screams and cries carried on the wind. He felt a chill run through him as he stepped back from the window and headed down to the bedchamber below, where he kept the storm lantern. The room was in darkness, illuminated only by the little light that seeped from the chamber above. Finding the lantern on the shelf where he had left it, he began ransacking the cupboards, looking for matches while cursing under his breath. As his groping hand finally found the matchbox, it fell from his fingers, spilling its contents across the stone floor. Samuel knelt in the dark, searching for the scattered matches and finally finding one beneath his bunk. He fumbled to light the lantern with trembling hands before the flame caught, bathing the small room in the warm glow of light. He looked up as he heard the heavy slam of the lighthouse door from the bottom of the stairwell as it repeatedly opened and shut in the strong wind of the storm. Thomas had not secured it. Samuel found himself fiercely gripping the lantern as he raised it toward the darkness of the stairwell. Thomas? His query went unanswered. He heard only the rhythmic slam of the outer door and the lashing wind beyond. Thomas? The name echoed in the stairwell until it was swallowed by the sound of wind and waves. A stench of salt and rot carried upon the wind from the chamber below. song he had not heard sung for fifty years came in a dozen breathless whispers from below. Its haunting melody carried the weight of forgotten memories and rising fear. He knew, with cold certainty, it was the voices of the very soldiers he had served with, on the primrose, as a boy. He heard something like footsteps from beneath, many steps of footsteps slowly dragging themselves upward scraping across the stone. They had come back for him. He fearfully backed away, knocking over a side table as he retreated up the steps toward the lantern room at the top of the lighthouse. Below him, he saw the darkness thicken and advance upward as though it pursued him. Voices in the dark were those of old comrades, murderers and thieves. The worst of Wellington's men, who would be imprisoned or deported if they had not chosen enlistment. 
the darkness followed him upward. Shapes and faces seemed to move in its shadows as it spilled into the bedchamber below. Reaching the lantern room, he was bathed in the full brilliance of the argon lamp before it rotated, leaving him only the light of his lantern that seemed so small in the gloom. The rotation of the great light seemed agonizingly slow as the mechanism turned. Each revolution lit the staircase that held his fearful gaze. At the next rotation, he shuddered in fear as he saw the darkness advance slowly from the stairwell. Even the light seemed to avoid it. It crept into the cracks and spilled slowly across the stone floor toward him. The lantern room became suddenly deathly cold, and Samuel felt his chest tighten and struggled for his breath that appeared like mist in the sudden chill of the chamber. The voices and indistinct faces in the darkness crept closer. Samuel stumbled backward against the glass, his clammy hands finding the hatch to the lighthouse balcony outside. He swung it violently open and plunged into the raging storm. Salt spray from the wind whipped about him as great waves thundered against the base of the lighthouse far below. He shouldered the hatch closed, hoping desperately it would hold back the darkness. He watched, rigid with terror, as the darkness thickened and closed in around the lighthousing, each rotation becoming dimmer, until finally, there was only the terrible absence of light. In its depths, he thought he saw the spectral figures moving within. Disfigured faces and limbs twisting and reaching the thick glass gradually frosted, its surface etched with intricate splinters of ice as it creaked under the weight of an intense chill. He heard the window closest fracture and break. Then a second window pane broke completely, the glass shattering outward and showering him in fragments. Samuel cried out in pain and shock as he reeled away, bleeding from the cuts on his face and hands, wincing through the wind and pain. He returned his gaze to the broken windows to see tendrils of darkness beginning to seep through the gaps. By the feeble light of his lantern, Samuel found the rusted rungs of the maintenance ladder that led up on top of the lantern housing. With a desperate look back, at the black tendrils of darkness inching further toward him. He began to climb, gripping tightly with his free hand. The old ladder rarely saw use and creaked threateningly as he put his weight upon it. The maintenance ladder connected the balcony platform to the weathered dome of the lead roof. With each step he took, it groaned in protest above the howling wind. Suddenly, a weak support snapped, causing the whole structure to swing to the left. 
Samuel reached upward, his grasping fingers finding a grip on the rugged lead lining of the roof dome. He hauled himself painfully aloft, his fear lending him strength as the remaining section of the ladder crashed into the balcony below. He found himself on the domed structure of the lighthouse roof itself. The dome was featureless, except for the weather vane that spun wildly in the wind at its highest point. Beneath him, he could see nothing but the unnatural darkness that twisted and turned in the light of his lantern. The wind did nothing to disperse it, as though it followed no laws of nature. His whole body screamed with pain as he forced himself to crawl further up the dome roof, groping with his hands and feet for grip upon the slick surface. Breathing hard, he reached it and wrapped an arm about the metal weather vane. With one bloody hand, he removed his belt and, tying it about his arm, lashed himself to the metal rod. Huddling over the flickering light of his lantern, he felt just like he did as a boy that day, 50 years ago, clinging to the mast as the storm raged in the middle of the night. The hungry darkness rose slowly around him, obscuring the roof and swallowing the noise of the wind. It was as though a dark, icy mist had begun to envelop him. He shuddered against the cold, cradling the feeble light of his lantern as it flickered and dimmed. He trembled, watching it, willing it to remain. Samuel screamed in terror as the flame went out. The scream cut off abruptly as the darkness engulfed him. Thomas entered the wreckage of the lantern room to find shattered glass strewn around. No sign of Samuel. He hugged his arms against the lingering chill. Thomas swore beneath his breath as he saw the great Argon lantern itself had gone out, damaged by the storm. The damage disturbed him less than Samuel's behavior. It was not unknown for even the toughest men to lose their sanity out here, in the bleakness of the coast. They had both been overdue for relief and time ashore. He opened the hatch to the balcony outside and saw the remains of the access ladder that had broken off in the gale. A section of it lay upon the balcony. The rest was likely strewn across the rocks far below. The storm had begun to blow itself out, but the mess would take them weeks to repair. A repeated banging sound caught his attention from the darkness of the roof. To shield the flame from the wind, he cupped his hand around the candle and lifted it higher, illuminating the space above him. A wave of horror gripped him as he locked eyes with Samuel's lifeless corpse, grotesquely bound to the weather vane, rocking in the breeze. Even in death, Samuel stared back at him in sightless terror.
based upon the true story of the drummer boy who was the lone survivor of the HMS Primrose. She went down off the Cornish coast in 1809 with a loss of 125 men. What happened to the boy who survived was never recorded. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much to my author this week, Matthew Owen Jones. And you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of those at Scare You to Sleep. If you have a story you'd like on the show, you can send it to scareyoutosleep at gmail.com. And a big thank you to all of those of you who sent me all of those of you. <laughs> anyway, to all of the all of you. Wow, I can't talk today. Uh, who sent me your Spotify raps and thank you. It was just so much fun to see. I am blown away by how many of you who listen to Spotify. I am in your top 10, over 67,000 of you. That's bananas. And I mean, not all of you even listen on Spotify. I, I seriously had no idea how much the show had grown over the past year. And I'm very excited and seriously, such appreciation for you all sending those over to me. I loved reading every single one. And the amount of minutes some of you listened to the show, I saw a couple that were over a hundred thousand minutes and wow, all I can say is wow and thank you. Thank you so much. I wish there was more to even say or a better way to express myself than thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. So this week's ramble is going to be a little bit short. I actually have to run and meet someone for dinner and I... (laughs) did not have good time management skills this week that on top of a few um surprises when it comes to work and another project i'm working on and so you know that's just how it goes so those of you who hate the rambles congratulations there's not going to be much of one and those of you who love the rambles don't worry i will be back next week and i'm going to have some bonus stuff i've been wanting to do a ramble you to sleep on patreon i haven't done one of those and what has it been a couple months a couple months i think so and uh yeah let's see what i haven't been i just haven't been doing much baking that's usually kind of how i start my rambles is what did i bake this week and i my living situation is still kind of weird so i haven't been doing much baking but um it's been good life's been cool uh i clara is taking a nap right here she's cool i started uh, reading this book series and i've been obsessed with it it's kind of a guilty pleasure book series and um so yeah life is the last time we spoke uh, i was telling you about how hard life was and it still is but things are looking up and i hope things are looking up for some of you too i've had a few of you reach out to me and say that you've also been having kind of a tough end of the year and i hope things are starting to look up the year's almost over don't worry 2023 is almost over this has been quite the year um I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it to be over. I'm ready to start 2024. That's for sure. And I know those are all just numbers, but spiritually, sometimes it does feel great on new year's to be like, ah, we're starting anew. You know, I think it does something for you psychologically. So I'm looking forward to new year's and happy December 1st to all of you. So we're almost there. We're almost there. All right. I'm going to go. I hope you enjoyed this week's story. I had so much fun um, editing this week's story. Again, I love nautical themed things. I love lighthouse things. And I just had a blast layering together 800,000 sounds to 
put you on the boat while it's sinking and put you on the lighthouse while the darkness is coming. And I had so much fun being all the soldiers singing the song and layering my own voice over and over and over again. And yeah, I just, I love what I do. And thank you again. The Spotify raps have shown me that you also love what I do. So that makes me feel very good. And I'm going to let you go again. I have to meet some family for dinner and uh, I will see you next week and hopefully have some bonuses for you again. I'm sorry. There's another project I'm working on that I uh, don't want to talk about on here, but it, it ran into some snags over the last couple of weeks, but it will be clearing up next week. So I will see that you all know how it goes. You all have, you know, stuff in your life where, you know, things just aren't very pretty. Again, again, ready for 2023 to be over. <laughs> all right. I will see you next week. Uh, go drink your water, please. Even though it's not as hot outside, remember to drink water. I know in the winter, it's a little harder to remember because you're not getting sweaty and stuff necessarily, but remember to drink your water. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.